You're listening to the Tranquility Tribe podcast, an empowering space for all parents from conception to childhood. In this podcast, you'll explore your birth options, hear from experts in the field, learn to embrace self-indulgence, and prepare yourself for parenthood with Haiti. She's a coffee connoisseur, lover of deep belly laughs, a big-time tailgater, and your neighborhood birth junkie. From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hiki. Hello, villagers. Oh my goodness, happy Friday. We made it to the end of another week. I am so happy today because we have so much stuff going on behind the scenes here. If you haven't heard, we're holding a retreat. That's right. We are holding our first TBH retreat. And this year is all about bringing back balance. When I sat down and looked at all of the things that I thought didn't get enough attention, slash I didn't think there was quality information out there. It all boiled down to helping moms find balance after having a baby. So not just any kind of balance, but the balance that you crave because there is a piece of you that misses your old life before you had kids. And while that life is not attainable anymore, obviously you have tiny humans now in the equation. That life, it is gone. But you can get back the pieces that make it feel doable, that make it feel enjoyable, that make motherhood, that that allows you to realize it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can still have pieces of your old life and be a mom. And add whatever else you want your equation to look like. So if that includes a career, we can add that in. If you have decided to add pumping in, we can add pumping mom to your your list of hats that you wear, your list of titles, the names that you answer to. I will link the page that's all about the retreat in the show notes, but check that out. I'll have more coming out about that soon, but... Yeah, I'm really excited for that. Also, if you haven't heard, we're doing a giveaway on Instagram, and it's a big one. It is such a good one. So all of the products and the things that I use in my life and the things that I have learned over this year and the same things that I have recommended to y'all, I've gathered up and I put it in a gift. And it is actually super hard to give this away because I want... I want it for myself. I just want to keep it. I made it thinking of y'all and then I saw it and I was like, oh, but I really want it myself. So, uh, it's a good one. Head over to Instagram. The only catch is that you have to enter on Instagram and you have to enter on the original post. So, to save me time, I really just appreciate it being all in one place so that I don't have to go searching. And it ensures that, you know, things are fair. You you just have one place to enter. And so, make sure it's on the original post um, on 
Instagram. Facebook won't count. None of the, the posts after it will count. So just the post that is the original one. And then I'm going to choose that tonight, actually, at 6 p.m. Um, Eastern Time, American Time. So if you are in a country that is ahead of us, um, you probably don't have much longer to go and enter. So get that done. And yeah, there you go, people. Lots of things. And then obviously we have stuff more coming to you, more things coming to you. But put, put those, do those, get those on your checklist, get them done. And then I will announce the winner. I will give you more information about the retreat and probably some more information about some surprises coming because it makes me so excited to think about all the things. All right. That's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about kind of a heavy topic. You're listening to episode number 84, How to Survive the Holidays After Loss. So the holiday seasons, everyone's expected to be kind of happy and cheery and bright-eyed, and it is just something that you expect people to do. This is what the holidays are about, right? But for the people who have experienced loss um, in this year specifically, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer to be able to I don't know, face it, be out in public, talk about it, think about it, cope with it, really dissect it, really digest it. It might take you a minute to do that, and that's okay. But this time of the year, it can be really painful if you've experienced loss and then you think you have to pretend or someone expects you to pretend to be enjoying yourself while really you're just dying on the inside because depending on how far along you are in your in your road to peace with that loss you really might be in a place where it's excruciating to be around other people we'll talk about what to do if you're sitting there probably feeling all the feels and thinking, thank God I'm not alone. You're not. Actually, no matter where you are on this journey, you're not alone. There are thousands and thousands and thousands and probably millions of women who had experienced loss when they're trying to make a family. You're not alone. My friend, Mary Margaret Robbins, she has experienced loss and she was so kind and delightful to sit down and help me understand. She was part of my first, first part of the journey when I began to get into the infertility piece of this. And that's something that I don't really talk about a lot in my practice is the infertility coaching because it's always kind of heavy, right? It's um, it's not something that people love to talk about. And Mary Margaret was a doll and sat down with me and she wrote a blog for me. 
And she describes her journey of loss and, and healing. And so if you want to read that, I'll link it uh, in the show notes as well. But in my learning from her, she says the holidays made it even worse because I didn't want to be around anyone, especially my family members who knew but who didn't know what to say. I was in a dark place of heartbreak and anger for a long time. Anger aimed at God, who took my baby from me. Anger at a nurse who said the wrong thing at the wrong time. And at my husband, who I thought had moved on too quickly. Mary Margaret does a beautiful job of highlighting the multitude of factors that go into navigating the space of loss and recovery. So from a partner who copes differently or maybe chooses not to at all to the interactions of your medical staff to something that I think we don't recognize at all and she highlights beautifully is that loss miscarriage is somewhat of a taboo subject so Instead of asking people to share their story or lending a helping hand or a word of encouragement, a shoulder to cry on, we instead walk away. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. Because we say the wrong things. Because silence is scary. We don't know how to react. And so instead, sometimes we say the first thing that pops into our mind, we say something that you would normally say at a funeral, you say something out of good intention, and it comes across as not good intention. It's hard. It's hard to navigate this space on both ends, both as the parent who has experienced loss and as the person who is trying to comfort and support that parent. It's hard on all sides. Death is hard. It's not an easy thing. Loss is one of the worst things that I think you can go through in life. And it is inevitable. We all go through loss. And I often just, ugh, it makes me cringe. I feel, it just, I feel so deeply. So, so loss and death are very painful for me. Even, even if it's, you know, a quote-unquote easy or gentle or good one or, you know, even the stories of like a very, very, very old person who went peacefully in their sleep, they were ready to go, they had said their goodbyes, they were literally so calm and ready and the same night that they passed away, their, you know, great, 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 great grandson was born. Okay still pains me a little. I mean, yes, it's very cool. It gives me chill bumps. I, I totally see the energy in that. But the fact that the loss there, because I know some people are going to be really sad, the people who are closest, it's going to be painful. So it's hard no matter where you are on this loss journey, whether you are on the inside, you're on the outside, or you are the center of the storm. 
So in episode number 78, I talked about how to set boundaries during the holidays with family and friends. And this had to do with your body, your birth, your baby, your decisions as a parent, um, your mindset, things like that. So this list is somewhat different. It's more about setting boundaries with yourself. Um, number 78 will definitely be helpful. If you haven't listened to that, I suggest that you do before you go to any large crowd. And you don't have to be a parent or expecting or, um, you know, about to have a baby to listen to that. That is just an overall really helpful episode on setting boundaries in general when you're in large crowds. This one is more about yourself, like I say. So... Number one, and I'll, I'll say that this is a survival guide for like any time that you're coping with loss, no matter what time of year it is. It's just especially applicable in the holiday season because those are the extra painful times. Um, so here we go. Number one, know your limits. Sounds easy, right? Sure, know your limits. So easy. It is other people's jobs to respect that boundary. Let me say that one more time. You set the boundary. It's other people's job to respect it. You have the right to pick and choose which events you attend and which events will be too overwhelming for you. Maybe that's emotionally, mentally, physically. And you can be honest with folks. Tell them, hey, I'm just not ready to come to an event right now. Or if you've been going to events and the holidays have brought up some icky things, tell them. Say, hey, this holiday is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. If they don't know that you've had a loss this year, you can just tell them, hey, this holiday, we are going through some stuff, and I'm not sure I'm going to make it, but thanks so much for the invite. It's okay to say that you're not ready to go to something. If that's too painful, have an excuse, thought out beforehand, and nobody has to know. You can use the same excuse for people all throughout the holiday, so just make it something that's general and just make it one thing so you can remember. If it ever comes back, you'll, you'll be able to share your story when you're not in such a time of pain. I promise you'll get there. Number two, share your feelings or don't, but you have to advocate for yourself either way. So this might be asking to be left alone. Or acknowledging the fact that you want to share how people can best support you. So you're getting double whammy here. It's two for one. You are advocating for yourself and you're also educating other people on how to react when someone has a loss at this end of life. So humans are very accustomed, generally, in adulthood to handle loss of, of, of an elderly person, right? So like your grandparents, very old parents, it doesn't make it hurt any less, 
we just know it's coming. We don't think about that in the beginning of life. That sucks. Now, advocating for yourself, this is where your boundaries really come into play. If you have said that something hurts your feelings and you're not going to tolerate it, then when you hear it or when someone says it to you or when you see it, you need to say something. If you find yourself in a situation where it's absolutely not appropriate for you to say something, excuse yourself. You're not obligated to stay anywhere if you are feeling like it's overwhelming you emotionally. It's just not healthy for your mental health. And you're trying to, you're trying to get your train back on the right track. So protect yourself. Set those boundaries. Say, this is too much for me. I have to leave. Tell them that something came up at home and you have to get there. You don't have to stay anywhere, y'all. Leave if you don't like what you're feeling. It generally means something's wrong. So what to do if someone says something to you and it is what I call like a stingy comment. It stings when they said it. Whether it came from a place of malice or it came from a place of genuine caring and it just came across totally wrong because that happens. It happens all the time, especially with loss and grief and people just aren't sure what to say. So if you get a stingy comment, always assume that that person is coming from a loving place because honestly, what kind of person doesn't? Although there are people out there who haven't coped with their own shit So they don't know how to support you without bringing their own emotion in that, right? So assume that they came from a good place, or at least they want to. And you can educate them on why it feels stingy. If you're able to do it gently and kindly and understanding that they probably meant well, then they're much more likely to be receptive to what you're saying. There are a couple things um, that you should never say to people who have experienced miscarriage. Now, I mean, there's a lot more than just a couple, but... Jenna Kutcher does a really great job of um, listing out the ones that hurt her the most. And I think something that I hear a lot of people say to pregnant women is it's just not the right timing. And I hear you on that. And I think sometimes people might look back on their life and realize that could be the case. But in the moment, that's not what they want to hear. It's also not your job to... Let them know that that could be the case. Um, It's not really any of your business whether it is or is not the timing. You should just offer support at this time. You should never ever tell someone that it wasn't meant to be or that they can have another baby. They wanted this baby and it might was supposed to be if everything had worked out but it didn't and so they are not looking for you to fix their problem or come up with a solution they really just need someone to 
sit there and listen most likely. Finally, oh, and the one that really just irks me the most is, well, now you have an angel looking over you. Okay, no matter how deep you are into your faith and no matter how strong your faith is or how much it is involved in your day-to-day -day life, these people didn't want an angel. They wanted their freaking baby. This is not a helpful one when they are are mourning and matter of fact it it has a weird way of twisting their religion against them their faith against them it's like their faith took their baby so that they could have an angel if you asked that parent would they rather have an angel or their baby I guarantee you they would forfeit the angel to have their baby Please don't say any of these to someone who has experienced miscarriage this year. So what can you do? Um, so you can give them a hug. You can tell them that you are so, so, so sorry. You can say, what can I do to support you? You can say, I am here for you if you need anything at all. You can give them a hug. If they begin to cry, most people get very uncomfortable with crying people. If you want them to know that you are a safe space, the only thing you have to do is offer them a tissue. You just have to let them know that it's okay for them to cry. Tears are a healthy response. They shouldn't be um, discouraged. You shouldn't, you shouldn't steer people away from crying. Crying generally lets us know that they're having a release, so that is really good. Um, you can let them do the talking. You know what? The silence is really uncomfortable, so let them talk. You can just say, I'm here to listen, and I promise you they will talk if they're ready. You can ask questions if you want, but you should always preface every single question, not at the beginning of the conversation. Remind them with every single question that they have the option to say no by saying, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, or please don't feel like you have to answer this. I just wanna know because I'm trying to learn the background. I'm trying to know how to support you. I'm trying to know what makes you feel the best. I am trying to learn, be, be honest, let them know. Encourage them to be patient with themselves emotionally mentally physically all the things if you're over at their house feel free to do practical things for around the house that burden of having a messy house can often be this cycle of oh no my house is dirty but I don't feel like getting up and then the things just rack up more whether it's laundry it's dishes it's whatever kids toys all over the place it doesn't matter to it's even messier now I definitely don't feel like getting up because I'm overwhelmed it piles up more it's even messier and do you see how it is just headed into a dark dark place so do something practical for them if you're over at their house and then finally if you are seriously concerned about someone's behavior or mental health or they have said a comment that is absolutely sticking out in your mind you need to tell somebody whether that is that person's 
partner, that person's parent, that person's, I don't know, if you know them well enough to be concerned about them, you will know who to get in contact with to express your concern. Please, please, please be on the lookout for your friends who have experienced loss this holiday season. Now back to the list. Number three, respect your own boundaries. So at one point or another, you are going to find yourself in a situation that you thought you could handle, and it turns out that you're really just not ready. Again, you need to listen to your body and recognize the emotions that you're feeling. Sit and think about what do you feel when you're feeling overwhelmed. So when you feel that out in public, you need to get to a place where you feel safe and calm. Don't forget that your body is still healing and recovering. If it's not in your your uterus and your reproductive organs, then it's definitely still in your head. You need to get to a place where you feel safe so that you can navigate these emotions in a safe way. Number four, know when it's bigger than you. So we all have that one relative or that friend of a friend who just won't get it no matter how hard you try. That's okay. It's not your job to educate every single person that you encounter to understand your situation or what it feels like to go through the grief and the guilt and the sadness and the darkness and despair that is associated with miscarriage or loss. That's okay. It's not your job to recognize when other people are feeling the things that they feel and to help them process that because of your story. You have your own story that you're trying to deal with. However, it is your job to recognize when you're causing yourself more stress than will pay off in the end. So, I don't want you to avoid all sticky situations because they will serve as learning points, right? Learning curves. So you want to expose yourself incrementally and to people who are kind and receptive and gentle and somewhat predictable. So your friend that's really unpredictable in their emotional reactions, sometimes you think they're going to be so pissed and they're like, yeah, no problem. And some people, sometimes you think that they're going to be like, Oh yeah, no worries, and they get so angry. You never can predict them. I wouldn't practice on them, right? I wouldn't practice on the friend that you're never sure how they're going to react. You can, though, practice on your mom, your best friend, your neighbor, the girl that you split the cubicle with. The other guy that also serves your district, so you guys spend a lot of time together. Practice on the people who are closest to you, who already know your personality. So if you come across a little harsh or you come across stingy from a stingy comment, they will understand, right? You can talk it out. This helps create your boundaries, right? It helps you smooth the way that you have your boundaries and that you implement them. 
if you are in a situation that's totally overwhelming and you're not able to access those boundary setting things that we've done and we've practiced, then you're not doing yourself any good. Matter of fact, you're probably setting yourself back because you're stressing yourself out so much, you might be barely functioning. That's not healthy. Those are different kinds of stress, right? One is a, a low stress environment, but you're able to function, high function, and you're able to learn and you're able to try out different ways to say, hey, that hurt my feelings or, hey, when you say that, this is actually how it comes across to someone who had a miscarriage and one is an environment where you feel totally overwhelmed that you lose control, right? So we want to avoid the latter and get your footing nice and solid in those low-stress environments. So know when things are bigger than you and be okay setting the boundaries and walking away. Number five, so it's okay to not be okay and to say no. So this is an important one, and I think it's one that we hear a lot from a lot of people, but it is so true, so you need to hear it again. So refer to rule number one, where it says it's okay to not only pick and choose what events you attend, but to also be honest with people. And then think back to rule number three, where it says to recognize and remove yourself from situations. I cannot stress how much it is okay to not be okay. Literally, everybody has these moments in life, okay? It might not look like yours. Actually, it's not going to look like yours. Your story will not be like anyone else's word for word, okay? That doesn't mean that you're alone. It just means that you're individual. It means that your story is like your fingerprint, right? If you think about fingerprints, everybody has them. They just all look different. That's your story. When these people are not okay too, no one should expect them to be okay. And we don't expect you to be okay before you're ready. But that includes you communicating when you're not ready because to ignore people, it hurts. It also leaves a lot of confusion. And it is painful to let people in on such a large part of your life. And it could be a large secret. But you just need to communicate that right now you're going through something. You don't have to divulge exactly what it is. Number six. I love this one because it's something new. I like to add stuff rather than take stuff away. So this is start a new tradition to remember your baby. All right, so this one can be fun and can look like anything. I urge you to make it a celebration rather than a remembrance, right? So you're celebrating whatever it is that is special to you about this memory. Of course, this takes you being in the place where you can look back on it and recognize the special things. But the example that I like to use is I used to work with a family that got donuts each year to celebrate their angel baby's birthday. They had two kids after their loss, and the kids knew that it was a special holiday. They knew what it was and what it meant. They talked about it openly in their family, and they looked forward to the discussions about their brother each year because each year the kids were older, so they understood more. It naturally fit into their 
family routine. It was something so natural. And so these kids are going to be able to, to grow up understanding how to support people in loss. If that is not amazing, I don't know what is. And your celebration can be anything, right? It can be as formal as you like or as laid back as you like. You can do um, like a Christmas ornament to a holiday date like this, like the donut date. Number seven, ah, your partner. So lean on your partner. Your partner is going to be hurting too. They're also going to cope in a different way than you. You're not the same person. This is most likely the first time that they have also experienced a miscarriage. Be gentle with the way that they cope. Just because you're hurting doesn't mean that they're not. And just because you cope one way doesn't mean that they have to cope that same way. Just because their coping doesn't look like yours doesn't mean that they're not doing it. Take some time to reflect on your individual needs, but also your needs as a couple. You have to have conversation. Put the tissue box in between you. Better yet, give each of you your own tissue box. Sit on the couch facing one another and cry it out. You're going to be feeling a lot of the same emotions and you're going to be feeling a lot of different emotions. You know what? They're all okay. They are all okay. I guarantee that you have some displaced anger. You need to work through that. Sometimes it's talking to your partner, but sometimes it actually looks like getting professional help for one of you, for both of you, or for you together as a couple. You can find immense strength in one another if you allow yourself to open up to be hurting together. I promise. Loss has the potential to bring partners together in a very strange way. It will transform your relationship to the depths that you never knew it was possible. The double-edged sword part of this is that those depths can either be up or down. You can go to the lightest, most glorious place with your relationship. An unbreakable bond that no matter what comes your way, no, you will survive. Or it can tear you completely to shreds and your relationship all but dissolves or completely crumbles. Your mindset has so much to do with it. Conversations with your partner, having open communication, and finding the support that you need. Finding joy after pain can be one of the most difficult things you'll ever encounter in life. It can feel like you've forgotten about your past struggles or that your new baby will replace the loss you've experienced. Telling your story to others may be inspiring to others and help you find the peace and compassion for your life once again. Finding the courage to try again can look different for everyone. It will look different for everyone. But once you look for signs, whenever you're ready, it will probably hit you like a ton of bricks. I hear it all the time. Around every corner, you'll find a reminder that you're courageous. Seemingly innocent commercials on TV will reignite your sense of self and your sense of worth. 
when you least expect it, you will see that you are able, you are strong. Part of the healing process is pushing yourself a healthy amount, but also recognizing the healing and work you still have to do. Remember that it's okay if the only cure is time. Surrounding yourself with those who care about you and will support you during this time is essential. Be vigilant on how much you push yourself during the holidays as it's already a stressful time of year. Finally, it is okay to say no and respect your own boundaries. Stay true to yourselves, y'all. Holiday seasons can bring out the worst in us and can peak those emotions that we are least prepared for. Stay in control of your mindset. Remind yourself that you are a beautiful badass. This is your story and you're owning it. Happy Friday, y'all. If you have a friend who could use this episode going into the holidays, please screenshot it and share it with them, either privately or social media, Instagram, Facebook. Be sure to tag us at Tranquility by Hehe. We'd love to see that we're supporting you and that you are sharing this with the other parents who could use this support too. Ugh, always growing our tribe. Thank you guys. And a very warm, special thank you to Mary Margaret for her bravery and courage of sharing her story with us. Mary Margaret, you really are fearless. As always, villagers, find your tribe and love them hard. Did you know that you can join our online tribes? Our private Facebook group can be found by searching the Tranquility Tribe podcast on Facebook. And our Instagram tribe is Tranquility by Hehe. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at tranquilitybyhehe at gmail.com. Until next time, villagers.